Today's episode is brought to you by the She Leads Podcast Network, the first network for women by women. Visit SheLeadsPodcast.com to learn more today. Welcome to the Creative Visionaries Podcast. My name is Tori Barker, a digital marketing specialist, business owner, mom, and you guessed it, a creative visionary. This podcast is about inspiring business owners, building connections, sharing success stories, and motivating others. Join me on this journey as we tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary. Hey there, thanks for joining us back on the Creative Visionaries podcast. I have the pleasure of introducing our next guest, Alex Oliveira. He is the CEO of Predict and the host of the Dadpreneur podcast. Alex, introduce yourself. Hey, Tori, thanks for having me here on the podcast. Yes, so I'm Alex Oliveira. I'm a dad to four little ones, uh, who my wife and I, we homeschool the four kids and we have a little RV and you know, everything that I've done over the last really 12 years uh, in business has been with that plan to uh, eventually have a business that could fit like with our lifestyle. And that was a dream of ours. Like, well, will we be able to do homeschool with the kids and travel and really own our time? And so we were able to do that over time. And of course, I couldn't have done it without the business and the great teams that I have um, building customers, um, uh, really their, their lead gen um, campaigns online, right? So companies come to us and they want to get more leads. Everybody wants more leads. And so over the last 12 years, that has been my focus is just to really help customers generate more leads and grow their business. So awesome. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. And I look forward to, you know, asking you some questions and learning more about you and predict and your theories and, and tips along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. So since you're on the Creative Visionaries podcast, I always like to ask, uh, when did you consider yourself to be a visionary? You know, this was early on because I I grew up watching my mom and dad build a business. So early on, I was like, yes, I can see myself in the future having my business with employees and clients and 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 just really owning my time but you know i think that over over time that that vision of like having a big business really took a backseat when i started to have kids around 2009 because then it was like wait a minute this is great to have a business that grows at the time i had about 40 employees but i'm not going to get to spend a lot of time with my family and do all these things and i'll probably have to wait like everyone else to retire one day and then it's too late because then they're out of the house so I, my wife and I were very deliberate. We're like, what if we could have a di- completely different vision of what success means? So it means that we can't grow the company this way. We grow it that way. And then right around 2015 to 16, we went from having an office to going fully virtual and really attracting employees that had that desire to grow and live a lifestyle of freedom, not so much just work, 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 right? So it takes out me definitely a, a specific type of person, entrepreneur, someone who's a self-starter and has those desires, you know? And so we we did that. And that really, I think, was one of those things that if I look back 20 years and where I am today, it, it took a lot to get here. But, um, but yeah, here we are. But it's definitely not the vision 
that I initially had, it changed, it changed with the kids. And yeah, so it's, it's like everybody else's life, you know, it takes turns and, and you find yourself sometimes in a good place. Cause I've definitely been in other places throughout my uh, entrepreneurial journey where it was like, Oh, I don't want to be here. This is terrible. Like I, I made terrible, let's say decisions. Um, and now I got to get out of this. So to be in the, in a good place is, is like very uh, rewarding. That's awesome. And so going uh, virtual and kind of that lifestyle that you had planned, you said was in 2016. Is that right? Well, yeah, like 2015 was like the start because we were having our third child then. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm spending like literally 80, 90 hours a week at work and going to conferences, which is primarily how we got our clients was traveling. So I was traveling probably about 55 to 60 days out of the year. And I was like, this is like not at all how I imagined fatherhood. Yeah, really the fatherhood, like entrepreneur side, like companies growing. We we were getting ready to potentially get acquired. Like all those things were like, check, check, check. But I I didn't find myself being as happy or fulfilled as a as a dad to the level that I could. So it was just kind of saying, hey, look, let me unwind this a little bit and change the business model. Um, I have to give up on here, there, travel less. And, um, and I did those things, you know, and they weren't as bad as I thought. Like one of them was to work from home, uh, which I never thought I could do. Where I was like, oh, work from home is going to be so difficult to, to focus. But again, that's just the story you tell yourself. Once I got the mindset that I could do the same things working from home and being close to the family, then, then it was just that much easier. Yeah, you know, I had a similar kind of uh, realization, too, because I come from a corporate background. And so I had the eight to five, Monday through Friday, you know, driving to work, driving home. And then I had um, both my boys. I have two young boys. And so, um, you know, when they were little, they're five and eight. But when they're babies, it was like, oh, it was heartbreaking to leave them in the morning. And it was heartbreaking to be gone all day and not be able to, you know, take time off to spend time with them and then thinking ahead to, okay, what happens when they go to school? What happens when they start playing sports? How do I have that flexibility? And so that was really, you know, a driving force for starting my own business and being an entrepreneur because now I do have the freedom to take them to school, to go on a field trip, to go to the baseball games. And so it's like that flexibility. I just love um, that aspect of my business and the place that, you know, I'm, I'm in and I'm sure you can relate as well. No, for sure. And I think like the name of your podcast, uh, you know, creative visionaries, like you definitely have to use a lot of creativity throughout that process as a, uh, a, a business owner, or even if you're a solopreneur, in my case, I have about 10 employees and 40 contractors around the globe. But even with those 10 employees, you know, there's responsibilities. So some days it gets, I have to be a little creative. I'm helping my wife do the homeschool and then I got to move and go over here and then go, go do that. And it's choosing clients who understand that, that this is the lifestyle, not, not the lifestyle that I have, because I do open up to people on my podcast, obviously dadpreneur that to me, dad comes first, entrepreneurship second. Yeah. Some clients don't really want to, that, that that's not attractive to them. So if I'm meeting with a potential new client, if they're looking for a, a type of agency or, or company who's just going to work around the clock, I, I tell them like, we're not the ones, right? What we do is focus on the performance side, um, but not so much like 
the traditional agency that's going to have six, seven, eight people working on your account around the clock. So I think it's also knowing that it meant for me that a lot of the Fortune 500s that I worked with, which was like prestigious, like, oh, I have Ford, Allstate as a client, all these clients that also pay, pay the bills in a big way was to say like, hey, maybe those aren't going to be the best clients long term because their expectation is different and it's not really their fault. Um, it, it would be on me to say like, look, this is how I work. And if they don't accept it, that's okay. You know? So I, I think, like I said, there were a lot of things that I had to make peace with and, and switching gears. And so for the last really four years between the book, the podcast courses, all the, all the stuff that I've been working on aside from predict was to work towards helping those solopreneurs and small businesses be able to do legion in a way that doesn't break their bank, you know? That's so important. So yeah, definitely. Tell us, um, so let's transition into more about your business and the lead generation. And, you know, I know that your focus is on helping business owners turn their passions into profit. And you do that with your podcast and through lead generation and your book. So touch more on that and tell us about, you know, uh, how you help those, um, those companies and, and lead them in the right direction. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, early on, I, my focus was just leads, right? Ge generate leads, feed their call centers, these clients that had big sales teams. And I think I was missing a big piece of, of that sort of uh, digital marketing mindset that was like creating content, storytelling. Those weren't my like, they weren't my the core of what I was doing. So I had to learn that along the way. And thankfully, I had a lot of friends in the industry who were, you know, generous enough to say, hey, Alex, let me show you how you do these things. You know, like branding isn't this, branding is that. And along the way, I, I started to see that, listen, if I'm going to do lead gen for a company, I need to care about more than just driving traffic to their websites or calls to their call center. I need to care about their, their employees, about their customers more. And I need to sort of connect all those pieces together. So we started to do something that we, we called aligning the um, marketing sales and customer service teams together. So let's get rid of the silos. And every time we start to plan a marketing campaign, it's really a lead gen campaign, we need all those three departments in the room so that we can ask the salespeople like, look, you're the ones talking to the customers. What are they saying? Marketing, hold up. Don't, don't tell me anything. Let's hear what sales has to say. Now, customer service, what are you hearing? And then sort of work backwards and then marketing, listen, rather than I had been doing it the other way around for many years, which was like, listen, we can drive traffic and generate calls. Uh, good luck, salespeople. And then salespeople come back and go, wait a minute, but maybe you're not sending the right leads. And so something we would hear often was like, well, yes, you could generate leads, but it's not the right people, the right people. And then maybe right. customer service is saying the same thing. So the challenge that I find, though, um, in, in, in going from that passion to profit is with the mid-sized businesses, small, not so much, like businesses with under 10 employees, but the, the mid-sized companies, them allowing us to go in there and really learn more about their business. So, for example, really talk about their budget, their revenue. How do we, how do we come up with a calculation of return on marketing? That makes sense. Often what you get is pushback, right? Like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Alex, 
we hired your company to generate leads. You're asking a boatload of questions that really doesn't concern you. And so that, that part I find challenging still to this day, whether it's me or someone in our business development team, because I say, I'm not asking these questions to be, you know, overly sort of, you know, uh, um, just, just ask for the sake of asking. I'm asking because it'll make the campaigns better to really understand if the cost per acquisition is X, is this going to work here? Most of the work that we do, Tori, isn't buying ads on Google or Facebook. Most of the work that we do to do lead gen is working with affiliate marketing. So we build publisher networks, whether that's on email or, or actual traffic, we buy those, those clicks and then drive the traffic. So it's a little bit different. And um, yeah, the more we know about the business, the better. But like I say, even our evaluation form is like 20 pages long. Not every question applies. But when you sit down to do a consult, yeah, many business owners are, or executive teams feel like that's just, you're asking me too much. I needed a strategy. Why don't you just give me your strategy and then put it to work? And what I often say is it just doesn't work that way, you know? I 100% agree. I think that's a, a common struggle because I get that as well. You know, I, I'll, I'll start talking to clients and they'll ask for a strategy and then I'll ask them, you know, more in-depth quest, questions and uh, questions about, you know, previous marketing um, campaigns that they've done. What's their budget? What's this? And how's the dynamic of the company and who talks to who? And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> make, <laughs> just make your magic happen, Tori. Right, Come on. Right. And I'm I like... Yeah, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so I completely I agree. It's like the more information you have, the more leverage you have for the end product for the ROI. And it's just, yeah, it's I think a lot of it is the trust companies have oh, to trust you for, you know, you to come into their business for them to share all of this kind of intimate details about their company and pull back that curtain, you know, and, and the vulnerability that they have to share. And so, you know, I try to be really mindful of that. And, and I try to lead with trust, right? Like I want the company to know that they can trust me and build that rapport so that we can have those conversations and, and those details to get the information that we need to make that campaign successful. You're so right. And I think with marketing in general, it's one of those services um, where for businesses, they don't typically put it in the same bucket as let's say hiring a CPA or an attorney where, or a banker, where you think of those relationships is like, once I choose the right one, they're going to stick with me for three, five, seven years. Right. Absolutely. Marketing, like most agencies get hired and it's like the company is just let, let's see what happens in the first six to 12 months. Maybe, maybe I'll keep you. And actually, if you're doing an outstanding job, <laughs> then I actually get rid of you because now I have your strategy and I could even just hire like a freelancer to do. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. So I always say like, go into mindset. We, we can sort of crawl, walk, then run, get to know us. But honestly, if in the first three months you like working with us, I'd like for you to like consider what does it look three years down the road? Because here's the bad news. And then you know this story. There's a lot of testing that goes into getting it right. And no, most business owners don't want to hear that. Wait a minute. So I have to allocate a testing budget? No, but there is testing because... I don't control the algorithms. Right. And when I do your campaign for Legion, in, in the case of Legion, 
your competitors are still running Legion. So everybody's competing for the eyeballs. Yeah. And consumer behavior changes, right? It could be seasonal. For sure. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, depending on when you start your campaign, you've got to think about consumer behavior and, you know, are other campaigns running that are competing for your ad cost? So are your ad costs going to go up because everybody else is running ads or, you know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting um, having to explain that and, and educate the customer on that. For sure. You and I were, you, you had touched on customer experience, I believe earlier, right? Yes. And yeah. And so about customer experience to me, that was also something I learned along the way to be able to improve not only my business, but also for clients. Cause I saw a big difference in changing the way that we approach that relationship. And with that, it, it, it's one of those things that when we bring on a client, we look at their sales teams, can they take the volume of leads? So we start to do some tests. Our quality assurance team is listening to phone calls. We're giving them feedback. We, we use CallRail software um, company out of Atlanta and they, you know, their AI will listen to all the phone calls and give you a list of keywords and you get real, really analytical about the conversations happening. It's different with e-commerce. E-commerce is pretty straightforward, right? Like we have clients who sell on Amazon. They just want to sell, sell, sell. That's pretty straightforward. Focus more on reviews. But for clients who are B2B selling services to consumers, it's listening to like how the transaction goes, the entire workflow from like when they land on the site until they actually buy and then beyond that. And that's where we found we can differentiate ourselves compared to other lead gen firms was to say, look, we can help you along the way better the experience. And so you come back and you start to pick at certain things. Maybe look, make it easier for your client with an SMS text message where they click, hit the contract, let's say for a construction company. Right. You don't need to do this whole email and print and that just make it the whole process easier. The payment button is like two clicks one, two, three. And as you elevate that experience, I mean, clearly if, if they need you in the future or think about a a friend who might need the same service, if they have it in their mind that you are amazing, better than the last, they're going to refer you, right? Absolutely. They're not going to forget. That's right. So doing those, um, doing those audits is interesting always because, you know, every, every advertiser, every client brand will say, no, our, I mean, our brand is amazing, great customer service, customer experience. But as you start to listen to those hundreds to the thousands of calls and give them feedback, they especially the ones with like bigger sales teams beyond, let's say, 10. They start to see that like, no, it's not actually very consistent, the messaging and the customer experience. And even down to, let's say, the chat. Uh, app that they're using on their website. Maybe one rep is answering questions one way, another is answering. A, yeah. So, yeah. so there, there's a lot of ways that you can differentiate yourself from the competition just by focusing on that. And then you can come back and say, oh, your leads actually, you know, deliver results because now your the conversion is so much higher, right? Yeah. You know what I love that you said um, initially was that you bring the the different entities together. So there's not silos. So the sales team and the marketing team and the customer service team, I love that 
you bring them together because a lot of times it's so disconnected, right? You know, I work, I come from a new construction background. And so I worked in the sales and marketing um, dynamic. We've got customer service. And so it was essential for all of our departments to talk to each other because if we didn't, then we wouldn't know that the sales were either coming through or the traffic was slowing at the, the uh, model homes. And so it's like, connectivity and communication is ideal and key. And especially in a role like, you know, coming from a a company into another company, you know, bringing that together, um, I think is something that may get overlooked by other companies. So I love that you, you make the point to have all of those departments and those entities talking to each other. Yeah. And I think that's what, what happens over time. I'm sure just like for you and every other marketer, um, that any of your listens, listeners have, have heard talk about marketing this way is that the more experience you have, it's like you've tried so many different ways of doing it. I know that probably like 90% of the things that I've tried strategies over the years have not like been outstanding, but like the ones that you come up with, like your own systems that work, it's that just gives you such a great feeling to know that like, if I use this, it will work. The, the challenge is, will the client follow along? Because in the beginning, it's like, yeah, sure, we're going to do it that way. And then next thing you know, they're not. Let's say speed to contact is, a, is just a really simple one for your listeners. There's so much research out there. Uh, MIT actually has one that, uh, sales uh, research that shows if you, if you take longer than five minutes to follow up on a call, you, your chances of ever talking to that customer decreases by like 64%. And, and that's an old stat, but there's new new surveys out there that show time and time again that most consumers give up on you after five minutes. So I needed your service right now. I Googled you. I clicked uh, you know, the, the, the form on your website. I submitted the form or I sent the chat or I called you. But in three cases, let's say you weren't able to follow up right away. Pretty much like after five minutes, they move on to the next person. So aside from marketing, I would just say to any company, any brand, if you're trying to enhance that customer experience, just make sure you have sales teams or customer service teams to follow up quickly because that's what we all want, right? We want our problems solved like right now. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So can you, um, so we talk about lead generation. Can you talk about what you, cause I know I've seen one of your webinars that you've done on landing pages. So can you talk about the importance of when you get these leads, where you send them or where this uh, communication funnel starts for them and, and the importance of landing pages or any other things that you would say would be important from that lead gen side. And then what's that next step? Oh, I love that you asked me that because I I tell my kids, I'm like, you know, daddy's not like a superhero. But if I were like one of my weapons would be like I'd have a lead generation cape. And then my, one of my weapons would be landing pages. So <laughs> exciting landing pages. But no, because I've, I've given this talk for like 10 years and I said, it's honestly, it's not a secret, but but that's why companies like Unbounce and lead pages, click funnels, they have exploded. Quite frankly, it's just they build quick landing pages that are optimized for conversions. So what I'll say to you is this, never make, make sure that if you're going to run an ad campaign, paid ad campaign or an email marketing campaign, a social media campaign, when, when the user clicks on that and goes to your website, 
if you're trying to sell them something, make sure it's not your homepage, right? Yes. Make sure, make sure it's a landing page, but we see it all the time. I could pull up Google right now and look for any given keyword. And I'm going to see advertisers making the mistake of sending a user to a homepage with a bunch of menu buttons and social media icons. And I said, look, a landing page is like a flyer. When I'm at, when I'm at a conference and I'm walking past the booth and I'm interested in software, a, let's say something for accounting, you're going to give me a flyer that is very specific, a headline with your logo and the picture call to action, the phone number to call some trust logos, but pretty simple. Like it's gotta be like a flyer. That's your landing page. And if you have 10 products, you should have 10 landing pages. If you have a hundred products, you have a hundred landing pages. You will see the difference in conversion, whether you're selling products like e-commerce, a Shopify webpage, or if you have services, landing pages. I mean, it's, it's not that complicated, but I see it so often. Look, when you're doing an audit and we're trying to build a lead gen campaign and I'm looking at it and say, oh my goodness, you've spent all this money over the years and you actually don't have well-optimized landing pages for conversion. Mm, I know. Yeah, it's interesting. People think that, you know, send them to their website and then they can find whatever they want. <laughs> There's all they can find everything. Everything's there. But you're telling them or however you're leading them there from, like you said, a social campaign or a paid ad. Um, you know, you're talking about one specific thing and then you send them to a page that has 10 different options. It's like overload. And overload, so, yeah. yeah, so definitely, you know, I always uh, talk about the importance of landing pages and focus that message into that one page and uh I love, yeah, and a simple, I love that you agree <laughs> no no we're in agreement here absolutely and i mean i think uh, you know there are simple things you can do to a landing page to make it so much more helpful and i mean even on the website in general just your phone number on the header like your phone number because unless you don't want to talk to your customers then i guess the phone number doesn't matter but i mean like if you're a lawyer mortgage broker dentist like there are so many verticals that people are coming to your website they already know what they want and maybe someone already told them about you they looked at the reviews and they've come to your website and here they are going from the footer to the contact page. They can't find your phone number. Just put your phone number on the header if you want to talk to people, right? <laughs> yes. Maybe maybe they're making it like a scavenger hunt so that the amount of time that they spend on the page is longer, right? <laughs> maybe. Absolutely. And, and I mean, there's other things like your, your call to action button, your submit button, right? Uh, the color. Amazon has gotten it right for now 20 years. That big, bright orange that color works great. The green works great. Blue works great. And of course, we've tested other colors, but you may think, well, my brand has to be consistent and my brand is, let's say, purple. So yeah. my button is going to be purple. Yeah, but people don't click a purple button. Yeah, it's going to so blend go, in. <laughs> yeah, go with what works, you know? I mean, and, and, and you know what? Be so bold as to hire a UX expert. Um, I tell our clients, we're not UX experts. So we bring in UX experts to enhance the lead gen campaign. They know about the colors. They know about the, the navigation and movement. And of course, that sometimes, you know, the web developer may feel a little bit like, uh, I, I know what I'm doing, you know, and right. I actually had I had that question today, Tori, uh, when I was sitting with a group of business owners, the guy said, well, can't my web developer just do all this like legion and seo stuff and i said well no not really unless i mean unless he's like a unicorn 
um, which doesn't exist. Like you're not going to be an amazing web developer and an amazing creative and an amazing legion. I mean, just uh, we, right. we're, we're not like that. So I always say like, look, I think that it's better for you to build a team around different core, you know, I'll say like, what's your superpower? And if he says web, that's what it is. You can't go down and have another superpower. Right. <laughs> right. So that's my best advice for people who are like, well, should I hire a, a, a freelancer or a project manager who's going to handle everything? You might get a yes person who's like, yeah, sure, Tori. Yep. I could do that. I could do this. But that's just because they need the job. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not because they're good at it. Right. Right. <laughs> Now, tell me about um, the podcast. So what type of guests do you have on your podcast? How long have you been doing your podcast? And a little bit more about the dadpreneur. Sure. You know, we've been doing it now for like two years. And um, the guests are mainly entrepreneurs. My goal was like the first two years to build up uh, a whole sort of like inventory of content around the entrepreneurship side of the business. Right. So I do bring on a lot of marketers like yourself. I, I bring on leadership experts, a lot of authors, just, you know, people who have a, a, a really nice body of work and, and a track record of helping other businesses, because that's mainly my audience are solopreneurs and first stage um, um, entrepreneurs. And they're looking for the best advice because you can go anywhere, obviously, on the Web. But I say, look, me and my podcast manager, Jacob, we really try to find people who can add value to your business operation, whether it's one way or another. Um, but uh, later this year, we're going to sort of switch gears and get in more to the dad side of the, of the podcast, which is just bringing on moms and dads, both. I mean, it could be a mompreneur, a dadpreneur and, um, and start to talk about the parenting stuff. You know, it just, I, I felt like at first it was to be quite frank, it, it was more, my audience and the group of people that I've gotten to know over the years is more on the business side than the parenting side. And so I, I am looking, if anybody's listening, I am looking for parenting experts and, and education specialist people who homeschool, uh, teachers, anyone who can add value to the parents who are like yourself, like myself, who are yeah. busy and can always listen to like, a new way of doing something, you know? And so I'm, I'm looking forward to switching gears there because, you know, talking business is great. And I'm, I'm always game to talk about entrepreneur hacks and lead gen hacks and stuff like that. But I'm definitely, I even told my son, my 12 year old, I said, you, you got to get ready. Cause I'm going to have you on the podcast and I'm going to interview you about just the, the, the normal stuff, right. That, that, that other 12 year olds, uh, a parent might be listening and going, Oh, that's interesting. You know? Yeah. So like security is a big one is a big topic that we're going to go after. Obviously with everyone who's got kids, you're worried about, Oh my God, when am I going to give my kid a cell phone or a video game and online is so dangerous. So there's lots of topics to cover there. I love that. Are you going to merge the two, the business and the dad side, or you're going to go more towards just talking about parenting and that sort of thing. No. So yeah, merge, merge the two, but just basically understand that there is a, there's sort of an overlap with some parents who are like, yeah, sure. I can listen to parenting stuff. Um, and I'm also an entrepreneur. That'd be like, great, but not so many people fit that criteria because I also find that some of the 
older entrepreneurs, the more experienced business owners, they're like, listen, my kids are in college. I would not be interested in listening to that unless you want to talk about grandchildren, you know? <laughs> so I feel like it's w w one of those things as a podcaster, I'm sure you can attest to this, that you, you want to get feedback from the listeners and understand what is it that they want to hear. And so I, I'm, I'm still learning as I go, you know, I think that's all of us. You, yeah. if you're listening to your, to, if you're listening to the audience, then you're likely to build some content that they're going to enjoy. So we do some surveys here and there and um, yeah, it's interesting, but so far, I mean, the guests have been great, you know, in this, in, in this, it's not such a new medium, but I think podcasting during COVID for me anyways, was such an outlet to connect with people like you, Tori, and, and, and be able just to talk shop, but then also help someone else. Like, right. I, I mean, there's probably at least like five, 10 nuggets that we covered here on your podcast today that someone is able to apply it and go, whoa, you saved me a bunch of time and maybe money and we didn't charge you for it. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I love about podcasting. It's almost like listening into a conversation. Like I'm not supposed to hear this, but this is like the, the inside details. Right. And so it's so, it's so intimate that you can have this conversation, just you and I, and then whoever, however many people can listen to it for years to come. And, you know, it's, that's what I love about podcasting. And, you know, I find it interesting how you said um, that you're going to kind of transition into the, the parenting and the dad side of things, because that made me think of um, social media. So when I talk to clients about social media marketing, I tell them, you need to think of like the 80, 20 rule, right? Mm. Not so much all business. You need to overlay some personal, tell them who you are, things that you are really who you are and what you do so that they get to know you like you and trust you. And so it's kind of interesting. That made me think of, you know, what transition that you're, you're working on for the podcast to incorporate that in. Yeah, totally. And I, I think I felt a little bit at the beginning of uh, the pandemic too. I was, we were saying, well, do we really want to sort of create content around our our personal lives like the kids with the homeschool and I struggled with that and I still do as we're trying to navigate on the podcast with this because I'm sure you think the same thing with even just social media like how much do I share about right. my kids because they that's not really they don't have a choice right? right so I'm still creating like all these categories of topics that I can sort of share that are real, right? Real. And these are things that are happening in my family and my homeschool experience over the last four years, but, but not overly to the point where one day one of my kids is going to come back and be like, I can't believe you shared all of that. <laughs> right. So I feel, and then I felt like also, I don't know if, you know, if anybody listening felt this way during COVID, I felt a, a sense of like, I, I don't want to be out there like, hey, woohoo, look at us. We're RVing around the country. Life is so great. And like, meanwhile, there's like tons of people like dying from COVID. Yeah. So I felt a little apprehension um, in, in sharing what was happening in my life because I felt there was just so much bad stuff people were going through. And then I think now just as we kind of get out of this, this um, sort of period, of COVID and hopefully enter into what, what this new normal is going to look like. Um, then people are more 
sort of on the same page, you know, obviously not for the people who've lost family members yeah. or, or, but I, I, I think it was just such a tough period of, of, of in, in our lives that we all turn to social media or YouTube or whatnot. And depending on how you're feeling, if you just lost a loved one, like the last thing you want to hear is how great somebody's life is. That's just the truth. <laughs> it's so I so kind of, true kind of felt a little sensitive about that. And I'm like, I bet, I bet I'm going to do everything wrong because it's going to sound like I live an easy life and it's not easy. It's yeah. just as hard as every other parent out there. But it's like, how do you paint that picture, which you and I know, if you look at creators and influencers, I mean, come on, it's a lot of smoking mirrors. Yeah, it's a it's lot not the of highlight reel, right? <laughs> it's not, you know, I mean, they, you know, to work on that one perfect like pose or post or video. I mean, they've may, may have worked on it for like, you know, 10 hours right. just to put out that one photos. Little... Yeah. And and so I'm like, am I willing to do all of that? I'm like, I'm not now business entrepreneurship. I'm like, man, I, I know that like the back of my hand. I've worked with over 3000 businesses. I, I can share that all day and bring people that can bring a different sort of point of view. Whereas I think parenting is very personal and some people may just be like, oh, well, that's, you know, stupid. Or, this is my kid. What are you telling me that this is the way to do it or that's the way to do it? So I, 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 I'm not sure I'll get it right the first time around, but I do know that I have good intentions, which is to pass on whatever good as a parent I've come across, you know, so and that's all you can do, you know, lead with with that genuine heart and, you know, heart of service and just kind of trying to help others. And I think you'll succeed for sure. Thank, thank you. So one of the final things I want you to touch on is your book. So um, can you tell us about this book? Yes, yes. If you build yeah. it, they will come or yeah. no, will they come? Will they come? Yes, will they, come? <laughs> they and they won't. That's the thing, right? Um, it, it's interesting because it's self-published and I chose not to publish with a couple of publishers that I had looked at. And I thought, you know what? I'm like a, I'm a, a renegade. I like to do things my way, you know, like, like a rebel, <laughs> like typical entrepreneur, right? Like typical visionary. <laughs> yeah. Typical visionary, like great process. I know it works for like all your people, but I don't want to do it that way. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, I worked on it for like a year, but it's, Everything that I've learned over the last 12 to 15 years, obviously a lot has changed. So there's so much, as you know, in our world in digital that you're like, yep, that's no longer useful. So I can't use that. So I had to be very strategic on what what content can I use that will be evergreen and, and can always be applied, whether you're just doing an email campaign or whether you're doing a lead gen campaign, right? Using publishers. So if you build it, will they come? The answer is no, because it's so noisy today. It, it really is across all the networks. And it's just because your competitor is doing it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And so I say like the golden path to lead generation success for your business. And you can see like there's a little, you know, the cover is a little maze with a shopping cart because that. that's typically how we all feel online. You're <laughs> looking for stuff and you're lost. And the great, the, the best companies like, like your, and I, when I say best, I mean the ones who do it the best, not that they're a great company like Amazon, they have the funds to be able to use AI and the latest yeah. technology to give you an experience that ultimately you have no choice, but to click buy <laughs> because yeah. it's like buy. Okay, sure. I'll buy that. Oh, should I pair it with that? Okay. I'll pair it with that. And you know, shopping cart abandonment software. And so 
in the book, I'm covering a lot of the tools that any business, small, medium, can use to, tools that are open to anyone. They're not enterprise tools. They're like tools that, you know, are affordable that you can use to enhance your, your business. And I think this is great for a lot of agencies and digital marketers too, who often are trying to convince their clients that like, look, I can do the digital marketing for you. I can do the strategy. I understand your your brand, your offer, your stuff. Like I do all of that. But here are some things that will enhance the overall campaign, right? So maybe yeah. get this tool, call rail, and this one and that one. And I know some businesses feel like, uh, you know, the marketers should come along with all these tools, but it doesn't work that way. And so in the book, I go over that, like, look, if you're hiring a marketer, here's what to look for. Here's what you can expect to pay, which I think it's for, for all my marketing peeps out there, they're going to be happy about that. Because if you want to hire somebody on Upwork or Fiverr, no offense, I do hire people on there from time to time for really one-off projects, right? Yeah. Not client projects, uh, my own projects. Um, dude, you could do that. That's no problem. But like, if you really want to build a solid long-term marketing campaign to scale your sales, you, 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 can't, you can't do it that way. You got to hire a professional and, and understand that you're going to have to pay um, accordingly, right? Right. So I, I think the bit, like I said, the book is not only for business owners, but marketers, and it just gives one framework. It's just my framework. You have a different framework. Everybody's got a different framework. I tell anybody that's trying to scale their business, you know, look at companies like Peloton. Peloton in 2020, they had spent uh, 477 million. So half a billion dollars. And they brought in $1.5 billion in revenue. That means that they spent 30, 30% of revenue on marketing. Well, like we were all taught in business school that like, oh, your marketing spend should never exceed 7%, 8%, 9%. It's different for different, different uh, uh, people out there, right? Professors who are saying this or that. And I say, right. look, every, Peloton is a great example or Salesforce at one point spent 50% of revenue in marketing. Like there's no two alike you know how you want to grow your company, you know your budget, can you take on the extra business, whether you're manufacturing or selling a service, and and that's it, you know? But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, lots of different ways to do this because aside from the people like you or myself or all the mar great marketers out there, then we have all the platforms, which yes. we don't control. <laughs> so it's it, it's so it's hard and it takes testing people i'm sorry it just does takes testing so when you hire a marketing agency like like your story you you you've got to think long term and if they like and trust you they should think about it long term not oh you do this campaign for a year and then see you later right it doesn't work that way yeah i agree i, I like to build the relationship and long lasting you know um partnerships with companies and that's where the, the greatest success comes from. Yeah. Well, Alex, it has been amazing talking to you and just, you know, talking shop and I love everything that you have to say and you just provided such great knowledge and insight for the listeners. And I just wanted to give you the opportunity to, to let us know where can the, um, the, uh, the audience, uh, find you, where can the audience reach you? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I would always say my website, which this is a, a marketing tip for you guys. Never give your social or your LinkedIn and say, yo, connect with me on LinkedIn. No, because if they go to LinkedIn, they're going to go look at everybody else's stuff. So have your own website on your own, you know, domain, whether it's your personal or company and send people there. So if you want to connect with me, Great go tip. to that. Yeah. Dadpreneur.co. No friction, no algorithm, just me, my company. So go to dadpreneur.co and then you can see what we're doing with Predict. You can see what we're doing with the um, courses and everything else. And, you know, like you, I, I love putting out content that can help other other businesses succeed. And, um, you know, it's been really great. I appreciate you having me on the podcast here. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Visionaries podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, or share with a friend. Also make sure to visit us online at creativevisionariespodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And stay tuned for more episodes to come. And remember, it's time to tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary.